0: Welcome in to Behind the Helm, the Midwest's number one military podcast that features myself, Chief Dowden, a Navy recruiter in Indiana, along with a gaggle of guests from all different walks of life. It was originally created by Petty Officer Levesque and myself to bring together the past, present, and future while describing military life and benefits a bit more in depth to give a better understanding of how it works. This podcast was created for anyone, Not just those looking to join the military, but for those who are already in, finished a term, retired, and even those that just want to learn a little bit more information. You can watch video of this podcast on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch live with bonus content every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No matter where you watch or listen, do us a favor. Help us get this information out there. Find it, like it, share it, follow it. You never know who you might help enjoy the show. Episode 84. That's right. We're on the 84th episode here today, another Thursday, an hour later than normal, starting at 1700 for those military folks. We're 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Normally it's four every week. That's okay. Uh, We had an opportunity to have a very special guest and I wanted to make sure that we could. If you've been watching over the last few days, I've been posting some pictures, some stories, some um, different things and telling you it's going to be a good one we're here in march it's women's appreciation month yesterday was women's appreciation national women's appreciation day um and i just think that we have a very successful uh woman in the military that's gonna teach us a few things and has an amazing story so if you're watching right now no matter what you're watching on whether it's youtube facebook twitch you're watching live make sure to smash that like button share this feed you never know who you might help uh and I will tell you, if this is your first time here, man, you joined at a good time. But if this is your 84th time watching the show, watching behind the helm, hey, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for coming back. We're over that 900 followers. Uh, I've made a comment about season two coming soon, probably once we get to about episode 100. I haven't said what that is yet, so that's a, another little thing. But need to get to 1,000 followers, at least on Facebook before then, Facebook was our first. That's why we have the most followers there. But We need followers and subscribers in other places, so hit the bells, hit the like buttons, share the feed, do everything you can, uh, and make sure you go over to those audio platforms too, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, because you can listen to it too, and I'm completely caught up, and even this one will be up tomorrow, by tomorrow morning, it'll be up there ready to listen to. So, if you've been watching, talking about Naval Fighter Pilot, uh, and before we bring in our guest you know the navy has these videos that we look at for different rates we've talked about different jobs well they also have one for naval fighter pilots so i mean how could we say that we're the number one military podcast in the midwest if we're not going to show you a video about it before we talk about it so we're going to do that before we bring in our guest. i'm going to go ahead and show this video Uh, And this is from the Navy. This is what the Navy kind of put out, just like the other jobs for a Navy fighter pilot. So let's take a look at this, and then we'll be talking to our special guest. So here we go. Naval fighter pilot.
1: Uh, It's not really a job for me. This is just fun. Every day I go to work. With the Navy, you get to fly off an aircraft carrier, which is the coolest thing in the world.
2: The thing about the F-18 that separates it is its ability to do pretty much everything. It can take off, drop bombs, and fight its way through the sky. You go to take off and you plug in after and you kind of get blown back in your seat. You're like, okay, this is for real. At times, you'll be pulling upwards to seven Gs for short periods of time. Now
1: I get to do it at night, so that's gonna be a a lot of fun.
2: Flying in close proximity to other planes at night. Uh, and then obviously going out and landing on the aircraft here at night for the first time are the probably biggest challenges people face. So when you're looking down at it from 20,000 feet in the air, it looks pretty tiny. It's a lot of kind of talking to yourself in the jet, in the downwind, just trying to calm yourself down. 15, 18 seconds of a lot of focus.
1: This is the uh, F 35C. It's the Navy's variant of the Joint Strike Fighter. Mm -hmm. A single engine fighter, fifth gen uh, aircraft brings all the stealth technology uh, to the fight. It's a kick ass airplane. Its purpose is to go into an environment that is uh, harder to access for enemy threats. It's got touch screens uh, in the uh, the jet. Everything's projected in front of your face. Single engine, we have to train at contingencies that if that engine were to quit, we basically have to be able to dead stick the aircraft uh, into a landing field. Uh, There's probably only about 30 pilots in the Navy right now that actually fly the F-35C. It's a great opportunity to get in on the ground floor uh, you start out in primary, so you go through flight school. Flight school takes about two years. You fly uh, first uh, trainer jet. Uh, after I got my wings there, I went to uh, BFA 106 to learn how to fly the Super Hornet, And then after that, again to learn how to fly the F-35C. A lot of people are
2: maybe deterred from the idea that it's a path that is unachievable, but it's more achievable than you think.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let me pull myself back up here. Hey, see some people liking. I see, uh, see muffin out there, old Dave Hammonds. Thank you, sir, and some other people as well. My wife, my mom, myself. I shared it. That's nice of me. So, uh, with that being said, you know that's what a naval. It's a it's a Navy aviator, naval pilot. It's we'll we'll bring in our guest. She'll be able to clear it up for us a little bit, uh, and tell us her story. And I'm I'm really excited for everybody to get to meet her so let's go ahead and bring in commander kristen dragon hansen uh ma'am i know you can you can hear me give me just a second here i gotta get you pulled up video so it's not just me because that would be weird all right there you are can you hear me okay ma'am
3: yes i can thanks for having me
0: oh man i'm ma'am i'm just so happy that you were able to be here like uh you know we got you know, big brain stuff, right? Got it together. We were able to do it. And, uh, you know, big shout out uh, to Mr. Singh uh, or what's his call sign? Shawarma. Shawarma. Since we're talking call signs, we had to bring it up. Uh, Big shout out to him. Uh, My ex-CO, previous CO here at The Command, big podcast listener, reached out to him and, and got us together. And I was super happy about it. And you have a pretty close relationship with him. He's one of your best friends, right?
3: Yes. We were 2003 graduates of the Naval Academy together and our careers have paralleled each other all the way through. So, uh, he is like family.
0: I would say even more so than family. Cause he told me something really special about you and his family that, uh, you're even his daughter's godmother, right?
3: I am. That's MLI. so cool. Super so- cute.
0: Yeah, so you see, like, relationships within the Navy, like these friendships that we build, and it's and that's somebody that you probably would have never even have met otherwise, you know? Um, and I tell people that all the time. You will meet your best friend and sometimes your worst enemy. You have that Maverick Iceman relationship. Uh, sorry, I can't help it. There's going to be so many aviation references and Top Gun references today, and I apologize. I mean, I have, I'm working on my goose and, and rooster mustache. I don't know if you noticed that. I do feel like... Alright, hold on. These are these were one of our homages to the eagle from somebody, so I feel like I have to wear these. Like, I have to now. Which, speaking of homage to the eagle, ma'am, I don't know if you could see it, but I have my eagle right here. I knew I forgot something, and uh, I'm going to give a little homage to him today. Don't have anything overly special, but this is important to me. It's a sign. Hopefully, everybody will be able to read it. They may or may not, because I know my screen's a little small. But what it says is, you're not stupid. You're just not lucky when it comes to thinking. And during, during my chief season, I bought this sign and set it on my desk, uh, to remind myself that I'm not dumb. I'm just not being very lucky in, in thinking. And, and I was, uh, missing things, real simple things. So, you know, that really helped me get through just looking up and, and seeing that and kind of laughing. Uh, so your, your Naval, Naval, is it Navy aviator, Navy pilot, Naval aviator? What, what do you call yourself?
3: Uh, so I personally would say Naval pilot. I do okay. count as a Naval aviator. So aviator would be the broader term. So, um, as a pilot, you know, I'm in the front seat with the controls. However, in our aircraft, we also have people that are either, um, weapon systems officers, yep. um, or EWOs electronic warfare officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have weapons systems officers in our um, control aircraft, and those guys you know, kind of run the fight uh, as well as controllers. So uh, they are not necessarily pilots, but they're an integral portion of how we do our mission and run things in the aircraft. So they, we count as aviator um, the whole gamut across the board.
0: Right, right. So naval aviators, actually kind of a broad term. Correct. But Navy pilot is, is more specific, but I would say you're even a little bit more specific than that because you're a, you're a Navy fighter pilot, right? Because a Navy pilot could be somebody who, you know, flies a Greyhound flies, you know, right. Uh, any aircraft naval fighter pilot is a little bit more specific. Uh, what do you, what do you think of that? I know you've seen that video before. I totally forgot. They showed the F 35. You ever seen one of those up close?
3: Yep. uh we share a base so uh oh. they're very very shiny and new and oh, yeah. uh we've got our first second operational squadrons up and running now so those guys are definitely becoming more and more of the fight every day
0: right and it's it's cool I was looking at stuff because we were talking about me and you were kind of talking about top Gun and all this stuff and uh in the new movie they talk about at the end there they're talking about the the gen 5 fighters and so yeah that's not a made-up thing it's a real thing because they even said it in that video the f-35 is a it's a gen 5 fighter um it's a general term but it, it it is a thing it's a generation of aircraft that it is so um when i bring somebody on and again um you're here on behind the helm episode 84 we're we're sitting with commander kristen dragon hansen so if you've ever watch top gun or anything or any know anything about naval aviation the pilots have their call signs so dragon would be um the commander's call sign it's not she didn't earn that nickname because she bit some guy's head off or something like that's just her that's her call sign uh it's not actually her middle name now hansen are you are you familiar with the hansen brothers
3: Oh, unfortunately, it was a very bad time to be uh in high school times when UmBop came out. So there was a lot of Oh, um-bop. I
0: knew it was going to come up. I wondered if you would fall into it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you knew I was I, I wondered if if you would see that one coming. UmBop. Hey, I was, I was I, hoping
3: that, you were too young for that. <laughs> no
0: no way. I remember that too. Absolutely. Uh my birthday is this coming Sunday. So I expect that you will get me the same thing this year as you did last year, ma'am. I appreciate that. Uh and uh, for anybody out there it was nothing um because i didn't know her until today so uh but yeah absolutely i'm turning 37 so i've been i've been around the block i remember hansen and i'll tell you what umbop was that was the hotness when it came out let's be honest okay it Way was the uh, hot. hotness hey uh cooper is out there one of my uh previous future sailors uh saying afternoon chief and and cooper glad you're here he's a f- i'll tell you what ma'am this kid uh, little little overweight when he came to join and I see him post pictures every day he is he's getting ripped like this guy is is living it up uh, really proud of you cooper keep it up man um, <clears throat> so anyway um, you know I, I told you and just so everybody knows me being enlisted you being an officer you will hear me call her ma'am the entire time just so everybody's aware. Um, yes, I'm a respectful person, but that comes into the military thing we talk about. So we're here on episode 84 of Behind the Hill. Make sure you smash the like button, share this feed, because this this is going to get real cool. Um, so the first thing I always ask, ma'am, is, is when people come in and, and they've been in, is why? Why did you join the Navy? Because it's always different, and everybody's got their interesting story. What made you say, you know what? That's what I'm going to do.
3: So from as long as I can remember when I was little, all I wanted to do was be an astronaut. And I'm sure my parents did what every parent does and say they were super supportive, but they were like, yeah, 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 sure. Go for it. Um, (laughs) I think I took it a little farther than they originally thought I would, Um, but I was very binary and doing everything I needed to do to Mm -hmm. put myself in a position Uh, to apply. So at the time I was like, well, you have to be a pilot. So that much mean air force. And then when I get a little older, I uh, was going through an astronaut fact book and discovered that the Naval Academy has more astronaut graduates than anyone else. And I was very much, (laughs) you bet, uh, being army. So I was like, Hey, we're, I'm going to go there. So we did a visit and I fell in love with it instantly. Loved the idea of the military, uh, the, you know, idea of fly in a jet. Hopefully, maybe someday at that point, or right. just hoping to fly anything and see where it took me. So I was um, lucky enough to get into the academy and service select aviation out of the academy. And along the way, I discovered that going uh, that astronaut route, was not necessarily for me there's a couple usually you go through test pilot school right um, you have to be way smarter than I am I have some <laughs> friends that went to the academy with me uh, and got really close to being astronauts and they they're the ones that got me through the academy I had a help, help they had to help me do my homework yeah um, but it was a great journey and I like to say that uh, that dream and that goal got me to where I believe I needed to be or belonged and that that's been in our community. So I chose to go a different route from that. Um, NASA was definitely like, yeah, nice try, uh, try again later. Um, but that was okay. That's not necessarily the, the path that I should have ended up on. Um, but it definitely got me to a great place. So it's been a great journey.
0: It's amazing. So, yeah. So you went to the Naval Academy and, and, You don't have to go to the Naval Academy to be an officer. Um, You know, I just spoke with a young lady today who might start working. um, She's going to take the test and try to become a Naval officer. Uh, And she can still go aviation too. Uh, But that tends to be what we hear about. And that's like when you hear about the, uh, and we talked about this the other day, Um, a couple weeks ago, we had a young lady on, CTI1, who was the first, she was on the first female, -female, all-female, all-Navy rugby team. Uh, Really cool story. And um I kind of forgot where we was going. No, anyway. Uh you can go anywhere. Yes, sorry. Uh but when we talk about like the sports and stuff, people know the the go army beat navy, go navy beat army. We know that, the army navy game. Now that is that's the colleges. That is Annapolis and um West Point. Uh and that was is the Naval Academy, is where you went, right? Uh so that is in Annapolis. You went there. So did you go, was that like right after high school? Did you uh did you get a scholar how does it work to get into the naval academy because i don't think people understand it's not it's not when you're going there that's not normal college you're not going to purdue you know uh although they do have a navy rotc just so everybody is aware um but it's a little different so how, how did that work how does that look
3: yeah so i mean we, we always have a joke of hey it's not college uh it is but obviously you have the military components to it which right. makes it very unique and getting in is unique as well so you know if that's something you're interested in I would definitely put in your homework so that you're not showing up on day one thinking that it's going to be a normal college experience you definitely mm-hmm. have to know what you're getting into and want to be there and be doing it for a reason because it, it, it obviously gets a little tough uh, from time to time but right there's three different things that you essentially need to make sure that you have uh, as you apply I guess maybe four so the first one's your general application to the school so it's like any what school is similar it's Exactly. So like any school, they're looking for grades. They're looking for, you know, leadership. Were you on sports? What curricular activities did you do? Kind of the whole package of, right. um, you know, what what kind of student were you in high school? And then after that, you have to be medically qualified. So you have to go to, they'll tell you to go to a base somewhere and make sure that um, you'll be, you could get into the Navy and be able to do the jobs right. and have the health requirements that they will want you to have. Um, You also have to get what's called a nomination from your either senator or congressman of the state that you're living. So you go through a separate application process for that as well. Um, So and then they'll uh, check you off for, okay, cool, you you have your nomination. And once you get all of those pieces to the puzzle, uh, you get... your thumbs up that they are going to accept you and you let them know if you're you're going to show up or not and what's neat about the academy I'm not sure what the other service academies do we have something called summer seminar which is an opportunity that hey if you're applying to school you can go down there for a week and get an idea behind the scenes more so than the normal tour of what is life going to be like and I think that's important so people can see like oh, okay, this is really what I'm getting into mm-hmm. for the next couple of years. And there are, I think they allow you, at least when I applied, you could apply earlier if you went through that that program. So that's there's like, a lot more.
0: Instead of just like a, a college visit that like a high school student would do, it's like that. But because there's more aspects to it, like being a midshipman, it's there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just going to class. You get that that week to actually kind of see like, oh, okay, all right. Like, yeah, there's more going on here. Is this really what I want to do? That's good.
3: 100%. And there, you know, I went through as a, I played soccer, uh, go Navy women's soccer. Uh, so we had a, you get a weekend, I think they do it for non-sports too. Um, but you could spend a couple of days at school. So you just shadow a mid the whole time. So you could say, Hey, I'm going to go to soccer practice. Then I'm going to see that you're doing homework all night. You're going to go to all the formations. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to kind of look behind the scenes, but you know, not, I was a direct entry. I went straight from high school to the academy. Okay. There are uh, people that went to school for a year, transferred out and went mm-hmm. to the academy um you have to do all four years so it's if you did a college year somewhere else you don't graduate here or three. nope exactly yep. so i had a friend that uh had done two years at rutgers and she started off as a, a freshman so or a freshman. what we call a plebe yep and she did all four years uh after that i have other friends that uh either academically didn't get in on the first try or maybe were previously enlisted and hadn't been in school for a little while right. some of the there's preparatory academies or different options that the Navy will help you bring uh get you up to academic speed. Um, you know, because I it would take me forever to learn the math that I needed back then. Right, because you haven't looked at it. Yeah. Uh so there's programs that will get you to where you need to be academically and you do that for a year and then start in as a freshman.
0: Yeah, that makes it now, you know, for those who have seen, like obviously like um the the people who go to the academy, they're in they're in uniform. Uh they're called midshipmen. That's yes, that's like uh, I don't want to say the mats Mascot, but we, you know, Naval Academy Midshipmen, it's actually what they're called. Like you said, students can go shadow them. When I was on the ship, I was on the coal. There's a destroyer. Uh, we had different underways where Midshipmen would come and they actually would shadow just regular sh- sailors. They would, they would come with us. But each year it's like, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, but it's, there's also like kind of a rank structure still, even at the school. Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So your freshman year it is a long year so you show up on day one as a plebe you spend Plead. all summer blow. uh yep uh you're essentially going through boot camp so right. uh there's obviously a difference of uh, what goes on in great lakes and what goes on in annapolis but you spend the whole summer running around living a very structured life getting mm-hmm. yelled at learning how to work as a team really kind of that break you down to build you back up process so uh i I think you bond really fast with right. the people you go through, whether it's, you know, a boot camp or a, a plebe summer, because, you know, you get through it as a group and you realize how important that is. And then your whole year, uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that you you do to go through the motions that you have extra rules and things that you have to do. You don't have almost very little freedom. I think we only get off the yard one day a week. So, wow. um, yeah, so it was a it changes a bit every year, but uh it was you spend a lot of time at just doing your work, doing your military obligations and going to bed at night. And then you get a little bit more um leeway and liberty when you get more seniors. So a sophomore is called a youngster. Youngster. We call second class and uh, second class are the juniors and firsties are, are your um your seniors, which is I guess it sounds a little ironic, but um, yeah same first days, yeah,
0: when you said that I was like that that's kind of seems a little backwards, but hey, sometimes, okay, look, it's tradition, leave us alone, all right it's Navy's very we're very, very, very much into our tradition and and the things that we call things, and we're gonna keep doing it, so just leave us be right,
3: <laughs> yep, so yeah, it's a little backwards, and then by the time uh you graduate, you start in as an ensign, and right. uh, work your way through the officer ranks from now,
0: there now ensign again, this is a name. This is, this is a, a name that people, it confuses people when they see it, when I'm teaching future sailors. Uh, that is what we call an O-1 uh, in the Navy. No other branch does that. Ensign, it's an, an older word. And we also call the flag is our national ensign. So O-1, ensign, national ensign. Ma'am, This trivia question for you may or may not know. And if you don't, I'm sorry. Uh, why, is, why is that? What, what is the ensign? Why is it significant to the national ensign?
3: Oh, I'm going to plead ignorance early on this one. Okay, Not it's sure. cool.
0: Then I, now, whether this is, I'm going to have to look it up again, because this is what I was always, this is what I was told a long time ago. So when you do colors on the ship, right? Uh, anymore, it's, it tends to be the younger sailors that are doing colors. Long time ago, no. Only the the officers were allowed to do that. They were the only ones uh, who could handle the national ensign. It was the ensign on the ship that handled the national ensign. Interesting, Cool. right? Yeah. So listen up, all you junior officers out there. Next time you're like, I'm not doing colors. (laughs) All right, uh, Mr. History Buff. Well, now you are. Uh, Anyway, no. So you did that. okay? so you you go to school, you right out of high school, you do your four years. And at the time, so you were still at this time, you're thinking astronaut. So you're trying to go aviation anyway. Right. Uh, You're trying to do that. You get picked up for that. I know that's a that's not an easy process either. It's very from people that I know. so many people want to be a, an aviator that um it's, it's pretty cutthroat. Like you, you kind of got to be the top ones, you know, as far as medically and, and everything. Right. So, you know, there's a chance you can go to the Naval Academy for that and find out like, Nope, you're not going to be an aviator, but you, you're already committed to be a Naval officer. Is that, is that correct? Would that be a hundred percent?
3: Yeah. And I think that's really important. Uh, you know, everybody that we talk to when they're trying to decide, you know, if they want to be in the military and how to, you know, what kind of a college experience that they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's always important to realize that if you go to like an ROTC unit or you go to the Naval Academy, you say you have to be okay with being a Naval officer at the end of the day, because that that is going to be your job despite whatever platform or warfare specialty that you end up in. So uh, a lot of it's done by grade point average. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start at the number one person and they get to pick if they want to go surface warfare or if they want to go aviation or Marine Corps and they just go down the line. So not everybody gets what they want, you know, and as in, I guess, you know, in life and definitely in the Navy, you do your best to put yourself in a position. That allows you to have the opportunity uh, to do what you want and then needs of the Navy come into play oh, yeah. uh, as well. So it could be, hey, there. I think the cons- there's pretty consistency in the numbers of uh, aviation bullets that come out of the academy. I'm sure it changes a little sure. uh, every day and I've not looked at them in a while. Um, but, you know, the same for Rotzi as well. So you just have to right. realize what those percentages look like. And most people, you know, at the time I was going through that were like, hey, as long as you're in the first half of your class, there's usually enough billets for you, you know, kind of a rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. So you have an idea of where you need to put yourself. Um, we have, you know, there's plenty of people uh, there. There was a joke at the academy, polysign fly, because people would come in and, you know, try to do an engineering major or just pick something that they weren't passionate enough and having trouble, you know, getting good grades right. and they would transfer out of that to be like hey i'm gonna do something that i'm more naturally talented in to ensure that i have a better shot of getting the career path that i want and uh i think that's the same with rotzi um i think it's unique for and you know more than i do too for ocs Um, You can walk in with a contract. So you have a little bit more control, but at that point, he hasn't paid for your college. So, you know, ROTC or the academy, they, the government picked up the bill and my service um, is something that I wanted to do, but it's what I owed the government after that, for that education. So there, there's some payback there. So the government doesn't care that you're unhappy if you end up driving a ship instead of flying an airplane. But I will say that most people- Exactly. I think most people, you know, we see a lot out of flight school because it's the same thing in flight school. There's no guarantee yeah. that you're going to fly F-18s or be a Hilo pilot or a P-3 pilot. Like it's, again, you put yourself in a position that you have the grades and then it's very much needed the Navy. But I think to a T, most people... You know, you get into that community or you get into that platform, and they love what they do. So I, yeah. I, I think you know, once you meet the people that you're going to be work with, uh, and really get into it, there's there's very few people I've met that were upset about the life they ended up living, even if it wasn't exactly what they were looking to do at the start.
0: I think too, and and it's so cool that you said that, man, because you kind of just paralleled some of the things that I say as a recruiter to people, and and how you said that when you come into the academy and you're doing these things, it's you need to be, at the end of the day, you need to accept that you're being a naval officer, whatever type of naval officer, right? So what I tell people when they're going down to MEPS to look at um, jobs, you need to be open minded and understand at the end of the day, the job's kind of arbitrary. You're going to get the same benefits, the same pay. Um, what I want you to want to be is a sailor, you know, and for you guys like going through that, what they want you to want to be is an officer, not, not, not an aviator, not a this, but an officer um, because of that. And it's it's the same thing GPA-wise. I tell them when they go to their A schools and stuff like that, look, you will benefit to work hard. At the end of the day, if they come out, like I'm a display tech, and they say, hey, the Navy needs 10 display techs, and there's 10 of us, they're going to cut 10 orders. If you're at the top of the class, most, not all A schools, but a lot of them, you get to choose. Oh, okay, there's 10 orders, I'm picking which one I want. So even the 10th guy is still an Aegis display tech. But it's more of what people assume with the military where they're like, hey, this is where you're going, you know? So you have opportunities, officer side, enlisted side, to, to kind of pave your own path for your future. Uh, and it, it takes hard work. Uh, and we recognize that. And you get more of a choice. Again, you're here on Behind the Helm, episode 84, we're with uh, Commander Hansen, uh, call sign Dragon. And we're finishing up talking about the Naval Academy as she got out of the Naval Academy and and... I just want to talk about that just because like you just made some excellent points there and it really does, it parallels uh, a lot with how we kind of look at um, the enlisted side and you know, you had mentioned OCS and um, NROTC and what I will tell you is if you go back, uh, not you man, but our viewers, if you go back, there was an episode where we had uh, Ensign now, Mr. Dunnick on with us, who was one of my future sailors who ended up going to OCS and went the officer route. Uh, And then the difference is, like you said, you're going to do all four years. You have to. The only other one thing we have is the NROTC scholarship, which is amazing. And you can go anywhere with that in this state. A lot of people go to Purdue. Um, If you get that scholarship, it is one year. This is mine. They told me this. I said, there's no way that's true, Uh, but it's on the website. It's on the literature. It is one year obligation free. You can literally... Get, get this scholarship, hundred percent scholarship, go to school in the ROTC program, do an entire year and then say it's not for me and walk away debt free what? Uh, but I was told well, when people do a year they're they're they're, they're in they're not going anywhere. so uh, so you get through the naval Academy, right? Uh, you get picked up for flight school because it you don't learn that at school you have to you don't learn that at Naval academy, you have to go to flight school, right? so that's your next stop. So kind of, kind of, you know, what happens there? What happens at flight school? They just throw in a plane, and say go?
3: Uh, no, there's a lot of studying beforehand. Um, I will say I am dated on my knowledge of exactly uh, what programs we're running through Pensacola right now. They're sure. uh, constantly changing and yep. you know, the more learning technology that comes about, you know, we're obviously jumping on all of that to make things more efficient, more streamlined. Uh, so back in the day, uh, and then even now everybody goes down usually to Pensacola and does, mm-hmm. um, a program of through academics and, uh, you, you, know, you're learning flight basics, instruments, you know, stuff right. that you need as a foundation of knowledge, uh, what is cool and kind of started when I was at the Academy and the, the programs, uh, amplified and become, uh, much more robust over the years. You usually get some time in a a small civil airplane. Okay. So you get, and you know, a lot of it was like a lot of you don't fly until you show up at fly school and you're like, wow, I hope this is what I thought it was. I'm about Uh to spend my whole career and I've spent my whole life trying to get here. Um, so it helps some people that like realized, oh my goodness, if I'm in a small aircraft, I throw up all the time and I don't want to be sick every time I'm trying to fly or, um, I had a great friend who I think threw up seven times uh, while she was flying and wanted to keep on going. And they were like, wow, we can't believe okay. that you are still yeah. in it, but it's really hard to fight an aircraft if you yeah. know, you're sick all the time. So that gave us the opportunity to, you know, talk on the radio a little bit, you know, learn what stick and rudder skills were mm-hmm. at a basic level. So when you get to the military side of the house, they could train you on the military techniques that they wanted to. So, you know, you go through your academics for a while, then you go to ground school for the airplane that you're flying, and then you finally get to be on the airplane. Uh, and then at the time we did, I did what what's called primary that was in Whiting Field in Florida, which is essentially Pensacola. Right. Um, uh, So that was a ton of fun. I was flying the T-34 at the time. And then from there, Uh, depending on what your grades were, um, they rack and stacked everybody. And that's where you picked your platform. So that was my first kind of, I got lucky and I got to go jets. Um, I managed to at least get the grades above the jet cutoff. And my particular week, there were four jet slots. Um, the weeks around me, there were two, there were one, there was a P3 draft for a while that everybody in the class went P3s. Um, we had guys that wanted to go P3s and didn't, or people that want helicopters and ended up in P3s. So, you know, like I was saying before, you, you, you don't know, you just hope for the best and, uh, hope you make your own luck from that, that point on. So it worked out for me. And again, all my friends who went to different platforms, love their platforms mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, everybody, every aircraft kind of has its own culture around it, which is cool. Right. Um, and then for me, for jets and still to this day, either go to Meridian, Mississippi or Kingsville, Texas, and okay. we're still flying the T-45. And that was your first, uh, there are some exchange programs that you can go fly with the Air Force and stuff, but um, that's your first time in a jet aircraft and you know, oh, getting wow. used to uh, a little more thrust than a prop uh, yeah, behind just you. Yeah, just a little
0: bit. Yeah.
3: A little bit. Uh, at that time we were also still going, that was the first time you we went to the aircraft carrier, um, where that program's kind of changing now based on some software in the F-18s, mm-hmm. uh, that make landing a lot easier than it was back in the day. Um, but it's the first time you start doing more fighter pilot stuff and a little bit more of an introduction to that. And then once that was done, uh, you go to what we call a free, fleet readiness squadron. So there's two in the U.S. One's uh, in VFA-106 in Oceana, the other one's VFA-122 in uh, Lemoore, California. And they will teach you how to fly the Super Hornet. And then that's for the Hornet if you're a growler, uh, which is the E-18G, Right. Uh, that's a be Island, Washington. And then, uh, the people that, uh, select Hawkeyes or, uh, used to be Cods. Now we have the Osprey, um, that they're flying for shuttling. I've logistics heard of horror by.
0: stories of the Osprey. Uh,
3: lots of huge rotors. They're kind of, they're kind of unnatural. And I mean, they're me cool when bit.
0: you see them fly, don't get me wrong. They're awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I've heard some horror stories and, you know, you're, you're listening off all these aircraft and Hey, look, we don't have time to sit and talk about every aircraft. So if you hear something, you kind of got to look it up. Uh, but one that you said was the P three, it was a lot of them. And that's, that's the Orion. It's a, it is a prop plane. It's a bigger plane. Um, and it's, it's mainly for, um, anti-submarine. Correct.
3: It is. And I actually, um, dating myself on that, I. I don't know if the last P3 squadron's been transitioned over. We've moved to P8. Uh Yeah,
0: yep. Which I
3: think is just a 737. I might get in trouble for saying that one uh, wrong as well, That's but okay. it's you know, think commercial airliner that has a bunch of cool stuff on it. Right, that- like a
0: bunch of, you know, stuff in the back like all this stuff. So you Exactly. So you went to your your ready squadron, your first one, right? And and where did you go for that?
3: I went to uh at the time, also yeah. dating myself, VFA 125. So when I selected Hornets, we had both the legacy hornet, so the F-18C.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Um, there was also the super hornet was in play then as well so that uh we call her the rhino as a um as a nickname and that is the F18 E single seat Fox's two seat so when i went to Lemoore, uh VFA 125 was the F18C rag and 122 was the super hornet rag and then uh, afterwards, we have slowly phased out uh, all the F-18 Charlies from the Navy. Uh, the right. Marine Corps still flying them uh, down at 101. They're in Marimar, they get uh, San Diego. So they won when it came to base location. Mm-hmm. Um, they decommissioned VFA 125, and then they brought it back as the joint strike fighter rig. So 125 is back again, but they're flying the uh, F-35 now. So yeah. uh, if you're a Hornet person, you're going to go through 122 on the West Coast. If you're going through the joint strike fighter for the Navy, you'll find yourself in Lemoore as well.
0: And we've had um, a guest who's been on a couple of times as a chief, a real good friend of mine from Indiana, um, AOC, Jeremy Snyder. And, you know, VFA, what does VFA stand for?
3: It is your fixed wing fighter attack.
0: So, um, you know, and and the number is just the squadron that you're in. And he was in a few and he told me a story of one. And and I I can't remember which VFA it was. I feel so bad. And uh, but the name, they all have names. Right. So uh, the one that always sticks out in mind uh, for him because he was a squadron guy was the Pukin Dogs. And I don't I don't remember where that was.
3: They are an Oceana squadron.
0: Okay, yeah, I thought so. So, you're, you are you start out VFA one twenty five. What were they?
3: Uh, they are the Rough Raiders, Rough Raiders. and uh, they still are. So they brought them back as the Rough Raiders.
0: And then, and then you went to one twenty two because you're a Hornet, right?
3: Um, so one twenty, I didn't. If I went years later, but since I was a Legacy Hornet, one twenty five was um just like the initial training. And then I went to the fleet from there. So, um, okay. see, I graduated in 2003 and I got to my first fleet squadron. Like when you show up on day one and that you're deployable and you're going to go right. out and be a part of the squadron. Um, I took the short bus, uh, I had a trouble in a phase or two. Um, they worked with me, got me where they needed to be. And then I got to my squadron in like spring of 2007. So okay. I was, if I had been on timeline, it would have been about three, three and a half years from graduation to finally getting to the fleet. And that timeline changes uh, a little bit de- depending on, um, you know, if you had trouble with performance, did you roll a class? Cause it, it happens um, all the time. Uh, and the, the instructors are great with getting you back up to where you need to be. Yeah. And then um, sometimes the line gets stuck, you know, right now, uh, we have a bunch of people waiting to go through the program because we had some engine issues with t forty five. so that slowed down some of the mm-hmm. process. So it's constantly in an ebb and flow, and we do our best to, you know try to keep the, you know uh, production line of pilots and uh, Wizzos going so that, uh, we can get those people out to the fleet where we need them to, to be and go out on deployment. So my first squadron was VFA 151, the vigilantes. Um, okay. and then my last squadron, um, that I got to command was VFA 25, the fist of the fleet.
0: Fist of the fleet. That that's, that's where you were before. Cause you're at a school right now.
3: I am. I'm doing what we call a joint professional military education phase two. So throughout your career, they send you to, you know, schools constantly to, yes, they do. uh, yeah, learn different learn different things about the the military mm-hmm. uh so what i'm doing right now is you know what we call joint acculturation so i'm in a classmate my classmates are army air force coast guard marine corps uh we in you know we've gone through this it's a 10 week program one week left uh, of learning wow, that's how to work cool. together but yeah. but before yeah.
0: you got here you said you were you were commanding like so you were you were like you were like the the top dog what do yeah, they call so, it i mean it's just a commander 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 is your rank Right, but you were also the commander of that squadron. How does that? I'm not an yeah, aviation I... guy. I'm a surface guy. I wasn't on aircraft carrier, so I'm kind of asking too because I don't honestly know. Let's. I'm just telling you.
3: Yeah, I guess there's a a lot of the same word used in there. So yep. commander by rank, uh, you would say like, hey, who's the commander of that squadron? That also, uh, I guess works as well. Um, usually the squadron will call you skipper. Yes,
0: uh, you're the and... CO of the squadron, like the CO of a boat um, on a, on, on, I was on a, um, destroyer, right. And it's the captain. That's the captain. That's the commander or the, you know, the commanding officer, but we call it the captain, a captain on a destroyer. A lot of times may be a a lieutenant commander or a commander, not necessarily Mm -hmm. captain rank. Yeah. We, we kind of mix some words, you know, it's what we do. We know what we're talking about. So it's fine, you know, but, uh, so yeah, you were the, you were the, skipper or you know uh i think you might have probably punched somebody if they came up and called you the old man of the squadron you know because we have a tendency to say i go see the old man uh that's on a ship we don't really try to say that anymore but so you wow that's cool right so you went from high school to the naval academy to not just being a fighter pilot which is already awesome i mean let's be honest like It's cool, okay? Uh, And I don't know if you heard about it, saw it. I don't even know. You might have known them. I know, you know, naval um, fighter pilot community is pretty, I don't want to say it's small, but, like, pretty tight. Um, You know, I made a comment the other day about the Super Bowl. I wish they would have said a little bit more about it, about the flyover, because those were all, it was the first all-female Navy flyover at a Super Bowl, and I thought that was awesome, Uh, and those were Hornets that they were flying. Uh, so it was really cool. Did you happen to know any of them? I don't know if you even really kind of noticed or saw who, who all it was.
3: Yep. So um, at least uh, two of them came from the squadron that I'm about to go uh, to. So uh, those ladies did a great job with that. Um, they're, uh, I didn't know the other ladies that they were involved, but um, we had one joint strike fighter that was flying. We had a, um, a growler that was flying as well. So, and they yeah. were backed by a, a great team of uh, sailors and maintainers that uh, keep the jets going and oh yeah, um, all, all the squadron mates that help with all the, all the planning. Cause it's obviously a big detailed process. So uh, they are, they did a, an awesome job, but they're definitely the tip of the iceberg of a, a huge team that, you know make something like that uh happen so uh it was fun to watch
0: so you got to be the commander of of the but when you're the commander you still get to fly
3: yep yeah absolutely so it's kind of cool as part of that job um you're not tied behind a desk uh like you can tend to be the the more senior you get you start doing a lot of staff work uh and that makes pilots sad when you Stuck yeah. behind a desk. So I've been very, very fortunate, uh, that I've been able to stay in the cockpit and, and
0: uh, well, I mean, uh, talking about as much as I have Top Gun and stuff like that's why they say like, uh, Pete Mitchell, who's Maverick, by the way, uh, Tom Cruise, why he was still a Lieutenant because he didn't want to have to be behind a desk. Right. Uh, he, you want to keep flying. And, you know, it's really funny because you say fist of the fleet. And when I was looking up pictures to post for this, uh, some stuff was coming up and, uh, who i'd see if you know a little trivia question for you from the first movie in 1986 top gun you fan of top gun okay good uh of course <laughs> which main character was from the from the fist of the fleet his helmet had it on it he wore the patch ice Do you know? huh ice-, ice man yeah ice absolutely man. i'm sure like you guys know. i didn't ice man i didn't know that Right. And I'm looking it up and then I see this helmet. I'm like, oh, there's a helmet with the with a symbol. on. That'd be great. I was going to use it. And then it was like saying replica Iceman helmet. I'm like, wait a minute. And then like, so, yeah, Iceman. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot they try in a lot of those movies to put some truth to it, you know. Uh, so you were out there. You were the commander of that you come to school. You're getting ready to go command another um, squadron. And, um, you know, how, how long have you been in service now how long have you been commissioned
3: i will hit 20 years this may
0: nice yeah that's imp- ma'am that's an Im- that's an impressive resume that you have uh how, how do, you, do you intend to go past 20 you're going you're trying to go like 30 or more or what are you trying to do
3: uh we'll see what happens it, it's weird when you get uh to this point of seniority that you kind of not really have a choice of, you know, whether you you were staying in and out, you know, I, I think I was definitely in for, for 20 when I started out or, or just hadn't found anything else I wanted to do. I think you hear a lot of us say that we'll keep at it if it's still fun. Yeah. Um, and it tends to be fun a lot. So I owe at least one more tour. There you go. And then, uh, hopefully the navy uh hint hint navy if uh you know if you get a mm-hmm. get a job that's still fun afterwards uh hope you know can stay in and and keep on going but uh as with everything needs of the navy and there's you know fewer fewer and fewer jobs as you get more senior and there's a bunch of just fabulous people out there trying to do them as right. well so um, you know, no matter what, it's been a fabulous run. It's been an yeah. awesome journey. Wouldn't change a thing uh, with it. So, you know, it'd be great if it keeps on going. And, you know, if it ends up that that's not the way things are going to work out, I have a great career to look back on and have met some phenomenal people. So either way, it's a win.
0: I mean, if it helps, you know, you just write on your resume, uh, was a guest on the Midwest number one military podcast. I know some people I'll put in some calls for you see what we can do. Uh, but you know, it, it's just really cool. And like most of the time when people think about um, naval fighter pilots and, you know, we've made the references. We talk about Top Gun and, and we talked about Top Gun with um, Chief Snyder, too, because he actually, even though he's an AO, he actually worked out there. Um, and, you know, he let us know, like, you know, in the movie, they say it's in Miramar. It's not. It's actually where?
3: Fallon, Nevada. Fallon, it used to be in Miramar. It, it's in, it, it used during to During its inception, it was in Miramar and then we moved it out to uh, Fallon.
0: Fallon, Fallon, Nevada. Uh, so he, he you know he talked about that and we talked about um, how how realistic it is. Now this is now we're talking from enlisted side to officer side. Uh, so he actually gave you guys some credit. He did. He goes, you know, um, the movie's great and it, you know there's a there's a lot that's like that. He said, but you know they kind of showed the pilots, you know, for for lack of a better term, and especially even in the new one, kind of like just like kind of college kind of you know douches like for. You know, and he's like, they're not really like that. You know, I mean, you always have some people like that, but they kind of made it seem like that they're, they're all like that. He's like, it it wasn't like that at all. Um, you know, that's definitely very Hollywood. Um, and I had said, um, you know, and before I say this next part, I just want to say again, we're on episode eighty four behind the helm. We're here with Commander uh Hansen, Callsign Dragon, a fighter pilot and an FA an F A eighteen super hornet. A pilot uh, who is also a commander of a squadron, or was, and is getting ready to go be another commander on Women's Appreciation Month in March. So, you know, ladies out there, like, she went right from high school, and and look where she's at. That could be you. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't. You know, um, some of the most amazing leaders I've worked for have been women. No offense to the guys. It's amazing. Leader guys out there, too. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Anyway, uh, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe, hit the bells, do all those algorithmic things to help get this out there. Uh, this is some great information because the next part is what I think everybody wants to hear about. We've been talking about Top Gun, and you have, you have a connection to the newer movie. I mean, we're all fans of, of the original, the 86 uh, Top Gun. And I think it's just like a Navy thing. But when they came out with the new one, Top Gun Maverick, I've talked about it. I, I thought they did a good job. But you have even a little closer connection to it, right? Uh, Mind talking about that? What did you get the opportunity to do?
3: Uh, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, and I was stationed in Fallon, uh, Nevada, where uh, our like Top Gun actual is up there. A bunch of different departments. I was uh, in one of the sister departments as an instructor, and. Uh, one day I got a call that was, Hey, we're going to be doing some filming for the movie. Would you like to be one of Monica, um, Barbera, who's a Phoenix in the movie? Would you like mm-hmm. to be one of her pilots? And I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea. I would love to do yeah. that. Um, so I was very fortunate to spend, um, about a week on the, um, I guess set or get, getting to fly with the, uh, the cast while they did some of their shooting in Fallon. So, um, and I think it's a, a real testament to the um the pipes we have in the Navy as a force, cause they essentially were the, you know pulled a bunch of the top gun, uh, instructors to fly a lot of the staff that was up at, uh, Nautic, which is our warfare development center, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, top gun is a part of, and then at of Lamore, California, they did a ton of filming there and was able to just, you know, based on who had, um, some free space in their schedule. Cause obviously right. there's a lot of operational commitments going on. They right. were to go down the flight line and said, Hey, we need, um, some JOS to fly in this, anybody interested, and they were able, you know, it, it's not like you had to try out or be a screening process. Cause everybody who was qualified to fly an airplane could, uh, do what they needed us to do. So. Right. It's, uh, was really neat to see everybody come together. And it's obviously a little different when you're the mission sets are all things that we do, uh, fairly often when it comes to, you know, dive bobbing, um, you don't normally pull, uh, you know, 10 G's coming off of the target. We'd break a bunch of jets. <laughs> you would be very mad at us, but, um, all of that is like parts of different mission sets that, that people train to, um and in different scenarios all the time so uh well well the story itself is you know somewhat fictional um right some right. of the things that you know people are doing in aircraft or you know what they do every day so it's it's kind of as i said to my parents it's the cool the the most realistic you could have somebody watching you you know fly in an airplane because the cameras that paramount used and the film crew used were just so phenomenal it was the best cruise video any of us had ever seen so it was really right so nice they yeah. did such a great job with
0: it, and it's—I think it's really cool because you know there's so much that's that's done with CGI and this and this and this, and but to realize that there are you know yeah they're not putting Tom Cruise in a jet and he's actually flying it you know um so but they are it's it is aviators flying it so Phoenix Monica the the actress you know she's not a pilot she plays a pilot she does the acting part and then they're like all right now we need somebody to really fly uh at hey, Dragon let's go you know so you get a you get to fly. Um, and you know, normally, uh, like we showed in the pictures and stuff you guys always have, and they show it in the movies too. Your call sign is, is on your, your helmet and stuff like that. So, and, but you have the visor. So, um, you know, I would assume you're in a flight suit that you're very used to. I would assume that you have a helmet, but instead of your helmet that we showed a picture of, it was probably like the Phoenix one. Right. And so that way they could film you flying and it's, it is you, it's actually an aircraft flying. Uh, and you know, I think that that's just awesome. So you're almost like a, I don't want to say stunt double because you're not like you're the actual expert. Right. Uh, and I'm going to show something real quick just in case anybody's like, Oh, I don't believe that. Uh, well, no, I'm telling you, uh, cause I know just because I know. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I wonder if you were on the credits. And so I found where it has a, a, screenshot of the scrolling credits and i was going down 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 trying to find it and right here naval aviation warfare development center so this is for again this is for maverick uh this is the credits for it you see top gun tom cruise yada 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 so forth so on naval aviation warfare development center uh commander brian blair and commander Kristen. they misspelled your name hansen so it's right there in the credits you hey you're a movie star You made it
3: uh thank god uh thank god it was monica's face on screen uh they they did such a good job it was great the (laughs) cast um put so much effort uh into asking questions and you know trying to depict things uh as realistically as possible and they Mm -hmm. were just so much fun to work with so it was very unique experience and um definitely something i'm not going to forget that's that was not the everyday go to work (laughs) right and it's
0: and it says right here strike fighter squadron 122, and I made a joke with you when I was trying to find it um, because it's down here, and I said uh, you guys made it in, but under the catering. But you told me you weren't even mad about that because the catering was on point, right?
3: <laughs> it was so good. They, you know, they they bring their. Uh, Um, their whole unit in when they do their filming and uh, their trailer had probably some of the best food I had ever had uh, out in uh, in Fallon, you know, it's a, it's a small town in the desert and don't get me wrong. They have some great restaurants out there. Sure. uh, I mean, they had steak and lobster and all kinds of crazy stuff, none of which I was willing to eat. And then getting in an aircraft, uh, sure, yeah, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Here, uh, eat this and then
0: an you know, hey, go do these maneuvers, please. Thank you. Oh man, this is gonna end badly.
3: 100. percent You'll fish before a flight. You know that oh, was my st- goodness. story. I didn't want to explain. In it's front like of half Tom. a dozen
0: boiled eggs and a glass of milk. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. Now, did you get the opportunity? I don't. I'm not. Uh, did you actually get to fly with any of them? Did you get to take any of them up? Were they allowed to do that? Were you allowed to do that? I mean, I guess you were skipped. skipper. uh,
3: So I flew, yeah, I flew with Phoenix, uh, (laughs) Well, they, what was neat about the process they went through um, to be able to fly in the aircraft, you have to do all the survival training uh, that goes along with it. So uh, the cast that you, Mm -hmm. you know, your main cast went through all of the survival training to be able to sit in the back safely uh, and operate. So they did a whole workup uh, process, you know, threw them in the pool, threw them in the helo dunker. Uh, So they knew, you know, enough about the aircraft to, to be safe. Um, right. so they were the ones that were allowed in there. So I flew with, uh, Monica a bunch and, uh, she's a blast. Uh, she's super cool. And I had the opportunity to fly with, uh, Lewis Pullman, Bob. Um, he was also Bob. great, uh, to fly with. Uh, so during, during the week, <laughs> Bob, yeah, he's so Bob. good at it. Uh, and they're all, they're, they were great, great people, great group of people. So it was really cool. to get to go fly with them. And what was impressive is, you know, I'm used to being in an aircraft, and the pilots are um, right. they're not. put them in these really uncomfortable flight gear, strap them into an ejection seat and then go around in a circle and keep pulling up. like we our goal was to you know pull a lot of seven and a half G's so you could get the facial distortion because you can't fake that. Um, but they still yeah. have to act through it as well. So we'd be out there doing a bunch of stuff and come back and you'd see the video. I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. Like you guys were pulling that off back there while we we're just you know ripping around yeah. the jet because yeah, so you fun.
0: so because there are scenes where they're filming them in cockpit right and that they yep. those they are actually in cockpit like they're they're actually up there acting while they're doing something that they've never done you know uh, but it's somebody else flying uh so that's yes, so-
3: we had about, I think it was, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. It was like four to six cameras looking back at the actors and actresses. And then there were two cameras looking the shul- over the shoulder of the pilot. So the goal was that like any of us who were flying the back of us was supposed to look just like sure. the actors um, and their attention to detail is, um, really commendable. Those guys are very, very uh, particular on making sure that looks right because they, they lose the scene if they don't. Um, so almost, you know, there's probably, you know, times that they had to splice things together and they did have a mock-up on deck, but a lot of all those scenes, they're actually acting, uh, in the cockpit and very minimum CGI, um, or anything that's either things that did get CGI is we would do the maneuver, but they would make the airplanes closer if it was something that was unsafe, Right. but the maneuvers all occurred. And then you mean to tell maybe-
0: me that when when they're in school and they're flying those two planes and Maverick just like flies up in between two jets, that that's they didn't actually do that?
3: Uh, I think they did it at a lot safer distances, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> that together. So we didn't give anybody a, a heart attack, but yeah, I mean, there's some pretty aggressive flying. The, the guys that were doing it, uh, obviously knew what they were doing, and right. it, it was kind of a unique problem set because you know, um, the the directors and everybody had an idea of what they wanted to film and what they wanted in the shot. And then uh, the pilots would get with the aerial coordinator and be like, well, how do we do this with a camera and what's going to show up and what right. was going to be in frame. So that was neat too. Like things you have to care about that you don't normally care about. Where is the sun angle, you know? So if you're filming in the morning, the sun's in a different place when right, you go film right. in the afternoon, and it, you need to approach differently. So um, for somebody who doesn't, ever work on a set it was a really cool experience to figure out the things that they care about Mm -hmm. to make the they do and of course it's paramount with the team that they had so they're the best in the business so it was really fun to sit back and just watch them do what they do
0: wow that's so that how amazing like to not only to say like what you've achieved and you know something else too like um you're not even the only successful officer female in your family right i think you have a is it your younger sister older sister
3: yep youngest she is the commanding officer of nrd new england so i told her she won she managed to get back home to boston somehow in the navy <laughs> it was really hard to do so is that is that
0: where up. their head is their headquarters in? i don't know where their hq is is it in boston
3: yeah it's on uh south boston so she started off as surface warfare oh south huh? yep and then uh she lat transferred to hr along the way and then uh, she worked down in Millington, uh, mm-hmm. for a while at the Bureau. And she also did a year, uh, industry tour working for, uh, St. Jude. So she's done some pretty cool things.
0: And somebody had, had just shouted out, uh, that think they're talking to me. I know they are. Cause I don't think they'd call you homie, uh, <laughs> on Twitch. Ash and Dev said, yo, what's up? Good homie. And, and, hey, I see you out there. Thank you for commenting. We're on episode 84. We're here with, uh, commander, um, Hanson, I'm telling you, I don't know why I want to say Henson so bad because I know Henson. Commander Hanson, uh, call sign Dragon, and we just talked about um, Top Gun Maverick because she got the opportunity to fly. So, your sister also went through college, not through the Naval Academy, Holy Cross, becomes an officer, is now recruiting command, right, uh, out in New England, and she's the commanding officer out there. So, two sisters from the same family. Um you know, wow, some successful ladies we got here. This is awesome. Like, I, it, it's amazing. And I think that your story is amazing. And the fact that you, you know, not only were just a pilot, but you became the commander, like the captain or the CO, um, it's commander, commander of a squadron, and that you're going to command another squadron. Uh, and you got to fly in Top Gun Maverick. Like, who gets to say that? It's awesome. Um, you know, I'd ask you, uh, you know, with the whole, You know, so your call sign is Dragon. I asked you, like, a big Game of Thrones fan. You said, well, I mean, I am now, uh, which is cool because I got to see a bunch of how that was filmed when we were in Croatia. A bunch of it was filmed there uh, on a deployment. You know, you get to see these things. And you were also kind of talking about, um, you know, when Paramount was filming, you said it was the best, what do you say, not deployment video, cruise video. Cruise video. Cruise video, right? So you were the commander and a pilot for um, Fist of the Fleet, and I know you you weren't there for this, but I found a cruise video from them uh, from the 2000, I believe, 16 deployment. It's it's a little shorter, uh, and I'm gonna bring the volume down on it because there's not really anybody that's really talking. Uh, it's short; it's about four minutes. I want to know if you'd watch it with me. We kind of talk about it. Uh, so a cruise video is something like when you go out on a cruiser deployment, they kind of they. Piece together things that happened during the cruise, right? Like kind of the highlights so that you can w- go back and remember it and watch it, right? And I think what people don't understand with those aircraft, when you look at an aircraft carrier and you see it out to sea with all these planes on it, those planes aren't on it all the time. Like you guys, when the when the, when the aircraft carrier is in port, the pilots have to continue to train, continue to do maintenance, to continue, continue to do all these things. So really what happens is the ship goes out to sea and then you guys fly out to it and then do the deployment, and then you fly off it before the ship pulls in. And you were saying, like, getting to learn all that and do those things with the landing. I will tell you, I do remember on on regular NES, I'll date myself, that I had the Top Gun game, and that was one of the hardest things was to land on that aircraft carrier, even even in 8-bit. So uh, do you mind taking a look at this video with me, ma'am? Let's do it. Okay, so let me get this pulled up. Let me Well, first, let me go to the screen where we can really see it here. See you, uh, and then we'll pull it up. Uh, so this is VFA 25 deployment, 2015, 2016. And again, VFA 25 being the fist of the fleet and you'll see their, their logo in here when it starts. Let me turn the, turn the volume just down a little bit. So operation inherent, um, resolve. So you have all these aircraft here you can see. So these are the Hornets here. Yes.
3: Yep. So there's Hornets and Growlers back there. Mm -hmm. And then we do what we call cyclic operations. So we launch a bunch of people out in the morning, or you know, throughout the day. Uh, they go do their mission, and then as they come back, they will orbit, orbit overhead the ship at least during the daytime. Yeah. Um, and they will wait until the next go all launches off, and once they that group's all off deck. They do what they call wrapping the waist, so they'll make the catapults, especially on the uh, waist cats, ready to or make it so you can roll over them essentially. Yeah. And uh, they start uh, landing aircraft right afterwards, so it is fast and furious.
0: And you know, we've talked to a few different people before who are aviation, and, and you know, you had you had mentioned with the ones who are flying over, um, having that team. Um, so yeah you're responsible for the aircraft you're the pilot and you have to know that aircraft inside out as well but there's there's a whole team that goes into that working on this aircraft making sure it's safe and you can see them all out here um different colored shirts and they all have a meaning we don't have to go into that but that's you know i've been asked before why do some people wear purple and green each one has a specific meaning everybody has a specific job um although you know the the navy pilot does a lot there's a Uh, There's a huge team that goes behind this happening.
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, um, so my squadrons, um, I've been uh, either F-18 Charlie or Echo. Uh, Like I said, it's a single seat. We had about 17 pilots. Uh, And then on top of that, we have ground officers who are professionals in the maintenance department who really understand what it takes to keep these aircraft Uh, flying because they're obviously very complicated warfare systems with a a ton of avionics and, you know, just general airplane things that uh, need to be taken care of. I I would say that I'm really good at at breaking them. I have no idea how to fix them. (laughs) uh, Job security for all my sailors. Um, but this, the squadron itself is around 200 people. So, uh, and we take everybody with us when we go on deployment and they're the ones that really make it all happen. Um, they make sure the aircraft is safe. Our ordnance teams load, uh, all the bombs and, uh, make sure that, uh, they're, they're attached to the aircraft that we're supposed to be, that they're registering, uh, with the avionics correctly. Um, You see the guys running around with chains. Those are the ones that, you know, are going to do all your warm up checks uh, with you to make sure that when you turn the airplane on, that all the components still want to work that day. Uh, Mm -hmm. It would be a challenge when you take an aircraft, put them in the middle of the ocean and then uh, throw it off an aircraft carrier and then slam it back on later when you land. Right. Uh, They take quite a beating. And, you know, these guys are out, you know, especially in the Middle East, you're looking at you know over a hundred degree weather. It's actually a little bit humid, and then you have all the exhaust from the flight deck. So it is long, hard days for these guys. Oh, yeah, and that jet
0: wash is hot. It, I can only imagine. It, and then you're that non-skid that you're on, the the flight deck itself, like it, it you know, it's holding and reflecting that heat pretty good. Uh, you know, and there's just there's no there's no real cooling off. Like we're in the Middle East, even on the destroyer, um, it's it, it hot out there. You know, the the oceans reflecting the sun. I mean, it, it's hot.
3: Yeah, big time. And then, you know, and those are just the guys up on on deck too. You know, uh, aircraft carrier has about 5,000 people that will deploy on it. That's ship's company plus the embarked air wing when you go out too. So you have everybody uh, below the decks too, you know, supports the whole ecosystem that you have, you know, from the guys that are making sure everybody's getting fed. We have a post office, you you have a dentist, you have a full medical staff, you have your whole admin departments to make sure that everybody is still getting paid. Um, you have so, a Starbucks. We do. We have a Starbucks. I made the uh, joke said- with
0: Petty Officer Levesque when he was still here because I'm a small boy sailor. And he he's an EM. Uh, and he was on an aircraft carrier. And we talked about the differences and how, how real different it is. Um, and he is now out on a CG. Uh, and he called me after his first just little underway. He's like, "Uh, wow. I'm like, I tried to tell you, man. And uh, he told me. He's like, yeah, like, you know, it is different. They're good and bad as far as enlisted sailors for that because, you know, my captain knew me by name. You know what I mean? Like, he could see me, knew my face, knew who I was. I asked him, you know, because on aircraft carrier you have the admiral, but you also have the captain. I said, Did you ever meet the admiral? He goes, no. He's like, I never even saw him unless it was at like an all-hands call. It's just not what we do. Um, a little different, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it is a lot of people that goes into making that happen. Um, let me see. Oh, nope. That was it. I'm trying to get you pulled back up here, ma'am. I'm sorry. But yeah, so, you know, you get to see that and that's that's showing a de- a deployment and they they trim it up and they're just showing like the different takeoffs and stuff like that and there's other ones that you can go watch that just happened to be the fist of the fleet. So I wanted to show that cuz that that was that that was you, you know. Um and it's just really awesome to see that stuff and and you know, I made the comment that when I was down in Pensacola for recruiter school, you know, I'm a first class. I've been in a while. Um, and sometimes you get a little jaded when it comes to the Navy. When you've been in for a while, you're like, ah, um, the blue angels, I was explaining this to my son when I was telling him that you were going to be on, uh, that you flew them. And he asked me the other day, he said, why is it when you see the Navy ships, it's always just the blue ones. I said, well, because I said, but those are still Hornets. Uh, and then the person I'm talking to tomorrow, that's what she flies, just not the blue ones. And he goes, Oh, and I just remember being down there. Um, and cause they fly all the time. They have to practice. And I, I don't know how, it doesn't matter how jaded you get, like when they would fly over and you're seeing them do this stuff, like it's, it's awesome. It's so cool, uh, to even get to watch it, you know? So I can't imagine getting to do it. Um, but, uh, just so you're aware you did mute yourself. I would assume maybe your dog was barking or something.
1: Okay. <laughs>
3: We're good. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure he's uh he's getting uh antsy, but he's always a glass case of emotion, so it's okay. <laughs> okay,
0: that's that's fine. So, um you know, I want to give you an opportunity. Again, we're episode 84. Uh we're here with Commander Hansen, uh Callsign Dragon, and you know, we've just been talking about her career and her amazing story and how she got to fly for Top Gun Maverick and we just kind of watched a deployment video to kind of show what that looks like and talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, you have two successful women. Uh, what, what rank is your sister? She a commander as well.
3: Yep. She's a, uh, yep. Commander O five.
0: So O five, you know, like how cool is that? You know, uh, talk about success and talk about getting to do some things that you never thought you would. Um, you know, if, if you had a message maybe for, you know, any young woman out there, and, and like you said, doesn't have to be like directly out of high school. Right. Um, if, if you had to, Say something to women out there, you know, on Women Appreciation Month. Like, what would it be?
3: I'm just, I mean, do what you want to do. You know, take a chance at it. You'll, uh, you know, for me, uh, I, I tend to just run uh, straight into things and uh, hope it works out. But, uh, you know, you're you're never gonna have an opportunity um, that you don't take. I guess for a, back, a lack of a better way of saying mm-hmm. it. So you know, if, if you want to try something, go for it, you know, w- why wait? Um, you know, obviously, uh, there's a time and a place for, for everything, but, you know, you don't want to look back and be like, Hey, I wonder, you know, if I had given this a whirl, if it would have worked out. Um, so I meet people all, all the time. They were like, you know, that joined later, uh, in life too. They, they went out, did a civilian job for a while. And you're like, Hey, it's not really for me. I want to join the military. And we, we have those, uh, people in the squadrons too. So, Uh, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, surround yourself by people you enjoy being around that are, that are going to be supportive and, you know, do something that you're passionate about and, uh, you can't go wrong. Uh, if, if, if that's, you know, things don't always work exactly the way you want them, but, um, at least, you you know, you gave it a shot and, uh, hopefully you have some fun along the
1: way.
0: I always tell people, and you kind of, kind of hit on the head too, is, um, the stupid light. One of these days. One of these days, light. Uh
3: maybe see the money right there.
0: Yeah. Uh what I tell people is um, you know, the answer to a question you don't ask is a hundred percent going to be no. So don't let some don't let yourself tell yourself no. Um the Navy's very big on equal opportunity. We're we're he- anything, anything that a man can do in the Navy, a, a woman can do as well. Um, and you're standing proof of that, not just as a, as a fighter pilot, but as a commander of a fighter, a whole fighter pilot squadron, like that's so cool. Uh, and I, again, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, for, for making the time to come on and for everybody who's watching and those who are going to watch this later and listen to it later is episode 84 on behind the helm. Uh, and you know, one last question for you, you don't, don't, there's always a story behind call signs, but when does it, when do you, my question is once you have a call sign, that's your call sign, right? So when do you get that? How long have you been, like, when do you get your call sign? Is that at that first kind of squadron you're talking about, that ready squadron?
3: It's actually when you're, your first fleet squadron. So usually throughout, while you're learning You'll probably go through a, a couple of uh, different ones that won't stick. Really, they're kind of just temporary ones. So, yeah, um, I was mumbles, you know, with my Boston accent on a radio. It took me some time. So, uh, if anybody, uh, can't you anything we need to get
0: the car here so we can get on. I
3: want my Dunkin' with uh, cream and sugar. You guys want to go um, to Donkeys? Yeah, I mean, I understood myself; nobody else did. Right. And then, uh, when you get to your first fleet squadron. Uh, they will name you that. And that is usually the name that you keep. And that's at least how the, the fighter community does it. Okay. So your whole squadron gets together and, and names you from, from there. And if you, you know, don't show any weakness, if you have a call sign that they think that you don't like, you're hundred percent going to get it. So right. you humble.
0: <laughs> right. We were talking I me and you were talking because there was a different video I watched. There was a guy' his, his, his call sign was trash blaster. And like some people might think that was, you know i wouldn't be called out. i don't know that's pretty awesome like, like i don't know <laughs> i think know.
3: trash knocked over a couple of cans uh trash cans the to get that call sign while well, everybody was on on that one night but, that's uh, funny
0: that's great so um this is that point where we're going to end the video part or the audio part of it um but we still have bonus content coming up and you don't know what it is i haven't i, I have not told you now For those who've been watching over the last probably month, they've got a pretty good idea uh, probably about what we're getting ready to do. But again, it's behind them. Episode 84, Um, we're here with the one, the only, Dragon. Uh, And, you know, I made a joke for those who are uh, stepbrother fans. I said, if I have to call you Dragon, you have to call me Nighthawk. Uh, Have you ever met somebody with a call sign Nighthawk?
3: Uh, Probably an Air Force guy at some point. They tend to have cool uh, call signs because I don't know why. But the... Navy pretty cool. I did. I got, I got lucky with that one, but for the most part, the Navy ones are to, you know, to, to try to keep you down to earth, the air force ones, they, that's and, the, that's a big thing, right?
0: It's to take the yeah. person personal out of it. Is that like part of it? And like, you know, it's more like, Hey, it's to bring you down a little bit, you know, level playing field, not, not bring you down, but so just like, okay, commander, you know, this, that it's, 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 you know this that without going to the like first name basis of it um
3: yeah, I think it helps. You know, we say no rank in the cockpit because at the end of the day, right. um, you know, you're you're flying your own aircraft. You have to work as a team, uh, and you know, you can't if, if something's dangerous, it doesn't look right. You know, you, rank can't come into the cockpit. There's always that deference, and you're still going to be right. respectful. Um, but you know, there's plenty of times that you know my brand new lieutenant is going to pick up on something that I'm not picking up on, and I need them to 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 speak up. I think there's historically right. Uh, some stuff that, you know, w- when you're on the radio, that's how they identified each other. But most people, if you said, Hey, do you know, Kristen, they probably would be like, Kristen. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I try to say that there's, uh, there's no rank on the podcast, but there's, n- I can't like you're it, it's ma'am. That's it, it just is. Uh, so here's what we're going to do before I, in the, um, audio portion of it and i stopped recording it i'm going to kind of say what it is so that way if they want to go back and watch the video they can because we're live on facebook youtube and twitch right now and it always plays afterwards but if you're listening to this on the audio versions of it um you might want to go watch the video because we're going to give commander hansen the opportunity to win a little money for charity from behind the helm okay you're going to be playing a little little trivia show all right, and, and you get a chance to win a little money for charity. I picked the charity. Uh, there's no connection to you or anything. It, it's funny, actually, I didn't know that your sister had anything to do with St. Jude because that's what I picked because uh, we've used it before. Uh, but, you know, this is where we're going the audio. So uh, bonus content is coming in. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You were just behind the helm. If you want to watch that bonus content, make sure to head on over to Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch where it is available right now. No matter what platform you watch or listen to this show on, make sure you like it, follow it, share it, hit the bells, do whatever it takes to help grow this channel. You can also watch the episodes live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The link is in the description, but you can find it by searching behind the helm on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. Thank you again, and we hope to see you next time.